0: Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this episode, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and myself are going to talk a little bit about Florida's um, remaining portal targets, some of the uh, players that have left or chosen other schools, including Johnny Broom, the big man from Moorhead State that picked Auburn, uh, as well as the departure of Elijah Kennedy. We will talk about Mike White and the history of... um, you know, risk that he took with players, Kennedy leaving kind of wraps up um, that those risks. So we're going to have a discussion about that. And of course, all your listener questions. So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember to give us a rating on Spotify, hit us up with a heart, um, leave a review on Apple podcasts, any of that stuff. We greatly appreciate it. helps us um, promote the show. So thank you. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Deal Blackwood, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Foss at GatorCountry.com. Eric, uh, we wanted to do a show where we actually finished all the listener questions we got from a couple weeks ago. It's taken three shows. Um, and so we thought we would do that. And also we can kind of catch up on where Florida's at in the portal. I know you've taken a look at a lot of prospects uh, at Gator Country. Um, but first, you know, the, the news that Florida now has an additional scholarship with Elijah Kennedy um, hitting the transfer portal and and uh, on his way out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested exactly how that one went down. I, I did hear a little bit that he thought he should have been playing more minutes. Um, then you kind of look at what Florida's roster is looking like this year. Uh probably doesn't see that pathway and, and understandably so. And I mean, maybe if they were like, yeah, we're not looking for any more guards, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So uh, he wanted out. Um, One thing I do think is, is pretty interesting on that kind of end. And, and uh, I kind of want to ask you this on the more kind of macro scale, I, I would say with Elijah Kennedy moving on officially kind of speaking that every flyer that Mike White and his staff made ended up not working out. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are now on the kind of concept of, of taking flyers on, you know, late in the process, you've got an open scholarship taking a junior college player or someone like Elijah Kennedy. Um, what what are your thoughts on you on taking a flyer after seeing that now with the kind of Mike white recruiting era of taking flyers has ended. Uh, none of
0: them really ended up working out for the Gators. Uh, Okay. Some technical issues. Uh, I think the the biggest thing for me is, you know, of all, all the flyers that they took, I thought Kennedy made the most sense. Um, and I still think he can have a nice career somewhere. Um, he's got to get more confident with the jump shot, but I never thought it was like a janky release. It just looks a little different because he's left handed. Um, you know, and he shot a pretty decent percentage in AAU ball, shot a pretty decent percentage in high school, um, shot 39%, I think it was, in the Peach Jam from beyond the arc, which is a pretty good number, can get to the rim. He's strong. Uh, so I think, you know, he's going to find a place where he fits, whether that's another Power 6 program or or somewhere like the the A10, like maybe that caliber of player um he could be I think pretty good but the other guys uh Osiah Sifo I mean I think we've lamented and used lots of airtime on this podcast uh discussing you know our reservations about that take it seemed like they almost were just searching for to replicate that Cavarius Hayes uh athleticism um and and you know Sifo was active and had a high motor but Do you want that over P.J. Hall, who's going to be an all-ACC player at Clemson next year? No, and that was the choice that the staff made. Um, And then uh, other flyers also didn't work. So I think, you know, not a real good reflection on their ability to, to kind of make those calls on who they took chances on. I think more interestingly, Eric, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, I think the fact that they took all these flyers also speaks to the lack of identity in the program. Like when you're taking flyers on different types of players, which is essentially what Florida did, you're searching for something. Uh, None of these guys necessarily fit any real role that you would say, oh, well, now I totally get why they took Osayo Sifo and not PJ Hall, um, for example.
1: Totally. And I, I think that it kind of also speaks to just, again, like kind of the lack of understanding that the staff seem to have of, of, of how you win at the high major level. We talked about that schematically. We also talked about it kind of roster building wise, why um, they would go after some of these front court players that, that don't look a lot like, like any other kind of front court piece. Um, Toon Gakkuk on his way out. It's like, okay, who's your player comparison for Toon Gakkuk in the SEC? pretty tough to find one who's like you know six foot eight six foot nine you know really long but not particularly tall and of course you know very very slight like where is that player archetype to work i mean osai osifo you know six foot seven you know solidly built um not you know kind kind of athletic not super athletic um you know where do you see those guys kind of living in the in the sec like it, it's it's one of those things where yeah it just it just kind of showed not a Total understanding of I think what has worked at the high major level recently. And um, I agree with you too. Elijah Kennedy was one that I I still like that take. I mean, it was uh you take someone who shot the ball well, would have been recruited higher um had he not gotten injured. And uh also that was one where it was late enough in the cycle where I don't think the opportunity cost was there. I don't think the Gators missed out on any other targets. Like, like I'm not sitting on this podcast now being like, Man, I can't believe they took Elijah Kennedy over, you know, X player. Um, whereas you can draw the, the Osai Osifo over PJ Hall line. And unfortunately we're probably going to continue to make that, uh, we're going to continue to reference that, um, in, in that's what the podcast is partially here for these loathing moments is, as Hall just continues to be fantastic at, at Clemson. So, uh, I, yeah, so I'll, I'll say the other thing I think is, is pretty interesting is so with the exception of, of tune Gatkick, um, I, I don't know if this was the case, um, but with, uh, with Quez Glover, who of course went on to find a really good level for him and, and do well, with Osio Sifo with Elijah Kennedy, um, these are all guys that wanted more minutes and more of a role than they ended up getting. That's one thing that I find really curious because I would kind of think if you're taking these kinds of flyers late in their recruiting cycle, under-recruited guys, you would think that they would be willing to kind of wait their turn, What be willing to develop. um but that didn't really seem to be the case. And I, again, someone could say, oh, maybe, you know, a player agreed to that. And then once you get into practice and they think they're all playing guys, it changes. But it also just made me wonder, like, what exactly were they telling these players? Because I I just, I, I do know that that was part of the reason these, these guys left was because they thought they should have been getting a lot more minutes. And I guess someone could make the argument that maybe Quez Glover deserved more minutes because he went on to play really well at Samford. Um, I don't think that's a fair argument to make. We have a good sample size of what he did at the high major level at Florida within that system. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it it just kind of it kind of speaks to me. Like, again, if you are going to take flyers on, on guys, there really has to be an understanding of where they sit in the microcosm of college basketball. And, um, you know, Neil, you said, oh, maybe Elijah Kennedy or you said, oh, you know, maybe he finds he goes to another power six. Maybe he goes to um, something like the a ten. I, I I would honestly be pretty shocked if if that happened, given his what he was recruited as and now what you know what he put on tape at Florida. I would be I'd frankly shocked if he went high major again. Um so again, maybe you get like you know, the American or, or a ten. but even then, I mean, I would like congratulations to him if if he's able to go to that level right away. i I would frankly be shocked. So, given just where he kind of sits in the college basketball ecosystem. I would just, you know, and and again, I'm not saying he should be happy to sit at Florida and develop, but I I would just think that would be part of the pitch. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but just to, to hear on the guy on the way out from kind of sources close to them that they thought they should have played bigger roles, a little bit surprising. And if Florida does take kind of flyers moving forward, um, I hope that there's a little bit of an understanding with these players of, of, of what that kind of takes. And is that kind of dead in the transfer portal era? Maybe it is. And maybe you should stop taking these players that you're going to say, okay, it's only going to work if they red shirt and sit around for, you know, till they're in their fifth year. And maybe that's just something you don't look to do. And um, yeah, just, just things we kind of think about as we can kind of close the, uh, close the door and um, the final chapter on the, the era of Mike White Flyers.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good chapter to end. Um, and I think the, you know, with Kennedy, from some of the conversations I had, it did seem like this kind of happened late too. Um, In the sense that, and I, what I mean by late is late in the season. It was all of a sudden Wacey Reeves and Niles Lane were playing. And to be quite honest, I mean, if you listen to the podcast late in the season, Florida was playing its best basketball towards the end of the season. So there was a reason for that. Uh, they were playing the best players. Um for the most minutes. And so I think some people, uh, in and around Elijah Kennedy's camp felt like, well, I, I, we think he's as good as those guys are. Um, and, and he should be out there playing. And, you know, I don't think that there was much, um, support based on his play on the floor when he did play that, that he was as good as those guys are. But, um, you know, I, I certainly empathize with, with that sentiment, Um, but it would have been interesting with a new staff. I think you can embrace, you can take it one of two ways. You can either embrace the fact that there's a new staff um, or you can, you know, say, well, this staff took, didn't took, said they were going to take a chance on me and didn't give me a chance. So I've got to get out of this atmosphere. And and based on what Florida did in the portal, that's the decision that Kennedy made. It does, It's interesting to me, Eric, because, uh, and you're probably right about the power six, just because there's not a lot of spots and so many players in the portal. Um, you know, so that's a good point. I I do wonder, you know, Florida now has three spots, uh, some other things that happen that we should talk about, I guess, um, you know, Terrell Ward commits to, uh, LSU as does Jalen Reed, um since the last time we recorded. So um, some strong-ass additions to Matt McMahon's roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, things are off to a great start at LSU. Like, for them to be under the cloud that we – I'm like, again, yeah, everyone keeps saying, like, oh, the cloud that LSU is under. Like, right now it's kind of a theoretical cloud um, because there's no real, you know, smackdown that has been laid. Everyone's kind of guessing. And the way that they're recruiting – doesn't really make it seem like there's much of a cloud so um I'll say maybe the cloud that um lSU is hypothetically under things are going really well but right now I mean man they're they're getting everyone they want they're getting good um they're getting the good players from high major levels from mid-major levels um I do think McMahon is a fantastic coach runs very aesthetically pleasing basketball um to be honest I don't think that players always kind of weigh that in. Um, I don't know if a lot of these players have the kind of understanding of schematic basketball a lot of times coming out of high school to recognize it. But man, if these players kind of do recognize those things, absolutely they'd be watching Murray State. And whether it be front court players or guards that they have, you know, sprinting off the of screens and getting all kinds of catch and shoot opportunities, like they like every everyone eats in that offense and it all looks beautiful. So I could I I can definitely see why he could use that kind of system um to recruit and then Um, you know, I, I don't really know what the NIL situation is over there. I'm sure it's, uh, sure it's helping things out as well. Um, that's the era we're in, but, uh, I I think, man, if you're LSU, you gotta be pretty, pretty excited about that offer. And, uh, Neil, if you would like to make one final lament at the loss of, uh, Jalen Reed, a player that we, uh,
0: we really, really liked. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, um, you know, I think, just a sensational fit for Matt McMahon's offense, too. Uh, he's just going to thrive there. I'd be very surprised if he weren't at least an all-SEC freshman player um, and somebody that very well could be you know, a third-team all-SEC guy out of the gate. I actually think he's that good. So I, I think um, he's going to have a sensational freshman year, Eric. I don't know if he'll get to play in the NCAA tournament. I went back and forth with some people. I thought Kevin Brockway made a good point um the old Gator beat writer now covers Indiana um kids can read newspapers they all have Twitter uh they know that LSU has um seven level one infractions that are as Eric put it in the hypothetical cloud uh, above them um that is more than uh, anybody that's gotten an FBI notice of allegations uh, and traditionally after notice valuations and I, I know this because I've done the research actually for a Saturday road piece but it takes about five to six months so the NCAA action should come in the fall um it could come a little later because football's also involved and I guess LSU is hoping that it comes a little later they can eke one more NCAA tournament appearance out you'll notice that they didn't take a ban this year uh so you know that program has been really bullheaded about it and i'm sure what matt McMahon is saying is hey look everybody involved in that has been dismissed and that's what we're going to tell the nca uh so you know for jalen reed that's a tremendous fit i think ward has some developing to do uh but you know still just a really really good athlete they lose efton reed to Gonzaga. Um, So they're
1: gonna be well and one more thing too uh, that i think is funny sorry you just cut out for me just a second there so i may have missed the point but uh one thing too is you know like i i not that i really want to go back to this tweet necessarily but there was um uh, of course a tweet from a florida assistant that suggested or maybe subtweeted at um the fact that maybe jalen reed didn't want to compete for minutes. Um, He and his family certainly took it that that was directed at him. And, um, you know, he goes to an LSU team that like Milwani Wilkinson played kind of minutes at power forward. They have two big time transfers at uh, the power forward spot, Derek Fountain. um, uh, Devin Reed uh, is a good freshman coming in, you know, KJ Williams might play spot. So uh, there. So, I mean, he went to a place where it wasn't exactly, he's walking into a huge role and he's also going into a place that, like you said, where he might not be playing on uh, the NCAA yeah, tournament. So, um. Yeah, so anyways, I just I, I still am, you know, not trying to bring that up I, again just to, to bemoan it. I know I did on the last podcast, but uh just something to kind of factor in that uh like you said, could he be all SEC or sorry, um um, you know, all freshmen SEC. Absolutely. We think he's that kind of talent, but it's not like he's walking into a role where he's just gonna get all kinds of shots and, and all kind of minutes. Um he's he's going to another place to uh to compete. So um uh, man, good start to the uh the LSU era. Um <laughs> especially given
0: what we what we maybe expected. And things to go. Yeah, I mean, I thought that they would have trouble um even with Matt McMahon coming in. Uh I'll be honest. I thought I thought it was gonna be an uphill battle. I thought they'd they'd get a lot of mid-major transfers and see if they could be competitive. And that is not gonna be the case. That's that's gonna be a team that's brimming with talent and just kind of hoping that the NCAA doesn't hammer them before March Madness. Um, you know, I know Malik doesn't, Malik Grady's a guy that doesn't trust the NCAA to come down with a ruling. There's also some discussion about legislation maybe um, where they could pass legislation where kids can't get punished if they weren't in the program when it occurred. Uh, let me tell you, Congress can't tie its shoes right now, so I don't think, um, <laughs> they, <laughs> I don't think Congress is going to pass any such law, um, but, you know the one institution that's maybe less effective than congress is the ncaa so who knows man um you know so let's uh let's move on to that and i mean i don't know i'm trying to think if we're out oh we're not there's one more todd golden l that we have to talk about i know people are um people are people were in our mentions a little bit uh this week say oh you know it's not going great and Uh, to which I would say they've been here like five weeks, and I actually think they're getting a lot of good players on campus, and um, there's a lot of reasons for optimism, which Eric and I have broken down. But, yeah, I mean, losing Johnny Broom to to Auburn uh, stings because I think it had a chance to elevate the ceiling for Florida.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, man, like, uh, again, I'm not going to be like, oh, like it never would have worked. I I wouldn't want him anyways. Like I don't want to show that revisionist history. But, again, like the fit would have been – tough for sure next to Castleton and it's it's one of those things where I almost like obviously I really wish he was a gator for a lot of reasons mostly just because you know he's an excellent basketball player but I also think it would have been really funny to see how different people would try to justify like oh actually like the spacing is going to really work because he's going to shoot and Castleton's going (laughs) to shoot and you know oh one of them's actually a ball like like again like Jedi Broom is like pure post up you know screen and roll like he's a true big man and he's awesome at that i'm not saying like i'm not using that as a slight just i'd say like when you're looking at what would be the fit next to Castleton, it would have been a clunky one so um i would kind of wish that he came and then we would get to see how people would try to be like oh the fit actually works really well but yeah the, the fit wasn't great and i think that ultimately just played into the kind of recruiting of it all um one thing i think that is 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 pretty interesting because i know nowadays everyone is like oh like you, you know, your team loses out on a player. Oh, it's all NIL related. Or you look at any recruiting battle, people are like, oh, it's all NIL. Like, I'll, I'll say this, like the Gator Collective, who is doing things by the book, which is technically not trying to incentivize outside players who are not on the roster um, with NIL deals, like they were not involved in this one. So if people think like, oh, Uh, you know, the the Gator collective offered this and the LSU's whatever offered this and he went with the bigger deal. Like that was not the case. So I say that to bring up that I really think that Todd Golden was in this one right until the end and it had nothing to do with NIL money. And I don't think he had any promises of what he would get at Florida or anything like that. So for the Gators to really be in that kind of race like this was like truly todd golden in like you said in the first couple weeks being at florida without a high major track record um being right there in it competing for one of the best transfers on the market so um yes it's unfortunate to lose a recruiting battle but man just to be in that kind of race right now i think it's pretty
0: impressive for golden and company yeah i thought it was too i mean a top five this is a top five player in the portal so and it's going to be like you know, I love how we've now reached the stage of, of portal analysis where there's like stages. It's like Star Wars, you know, like mm-hmm. episode two of the portal is like where we are now or whatever. Um, so I probably just offended so many Star Wars fans by like calling something episode two. I don't think it works like that, but whatever. Um, You know, so it's just funny that 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 was kind of the reaction like, oh, well, buy, buy some, not. Not by a majority, don't get me wrong. But I did I did get several tweets that were like really not impressed with Golden's chops on the trail. And I kept thinking, well, like they had like a five-star in Tyrell Ward who wasn't even considering Florida, like just pop up for an official. Um, you know, Johnny Broom was here, and I do think it went right down to the to the end. And I don't think, based on what I've heard from Auburn's side, that it was about NIL at all. It's really just about fit and at one spot, he was replacing Walker Kessler, and in another spot, he'd have to coexist with Colin Castleton, who's going to be second team or first team all SEC in the preseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm with Eric, I think. And it would have been interesting. Like, what do you do if you play those two guys on the floor? To, did Florida even have enough shooters on their roster to have that make sense? Like, I don't know. Um, and I think that's probably, I think Eric and I may have discussed this off air, like, I think Surrounding them with like three assassins would be like one way to do it. Um, but, you know, I don't think Florida has three snipers on this roster. Uh, so there it is. Florida has three spots open, which leads us to the last topic before we hit listener questions, which is the official visits today. We record on Thursday of Osun, Osunihi, and Kyle Lofton. Uh, the story is it's a package deal. If you don't know anything, I'm going to let Eric wax about Kyle Lofton in a second, who I think is one of the best players left in the portal, period. Um, but Osanihi uh, is kind of a classic pick. I'm not sure what Florida's fit would be. He's a good rim protector. Um, I do suggest that people, if you're interested, you can even like type in his name on Twitter and there's probably still video that would come up. He had just a vicious block to defeat Virginia and the NIT. Uh, You know, kind of showcase his athleticism if you just want a 10-second clip. Um, He's kind of an instinctive shot blocker, maybe more than an athlete. Uh, I shouldn't get carried away with athleticism, I guess. But, um, you know, another guy, they had good players at St. Bonaventure. Those were good teams. They went to two NCAA tournaments, and I think – the NIT lad this year, obviously. Uh, or one NCAA tournament, one NIT, and then we're going to go to the NCA tournament in the code of year. That's probably the the right ordering. But they um these are two guys that played like 30 minutes. And and yes, partly I stand for the A10 because I now like go to Davidson games all the time, but like it's a pretty good league at the top. The bottom of it is a big hot mess. But the top of that league is pretty good. And um, the Bonnies also played A really tough out-of-conference schedule and and held their own, so um, I wouldn't mind this package. But I'll be clear that I like this package because of Kyle Lofton and how good he is, and what an important fit he would be for Florida.
1: Yeah, Kyle Lofton is is the the gem of that duo, and and I know for years on this podcast, talking specifically about high school recruiting, I've always said like these package deals like don't work like everyone always talks about package deals they they seldom work um i guess we'll see if the gators kind of get one from from dr phillips here um this time around but in high school recruiting it just it, it does not happen with the transfer portal, um, we will we will see. It does ha- start to like it does seem to be happening a little bit with with transfers. That's kind of a different story. But if, if there's ever going to be a package deal, so these two guys are both from uh, both from New Jersey nearby. They both went to Putnam Science Academy, so they both played in high school together, and they both just played at St Bonaventure for four years together. And uh, like you alluded to, St Bonaventure played six guys pretty much the whole season. Um, so Kyle Lofton. Uh, I think he averaged over thirty eight minutes per game, which is just obscene. And uh, I, he played like <laughs> for he played like four every, years, yeah, for like four years. and his that's like his career average, sorry, is like thirty eight minutes per game. and and I think he played like forty minutes in the last seven or eight games of the season for them, um which is so impressive for Kyle Lofton because he's kind of known as a really stout defender. and that when he which he is. But, like, it's just crazy to think, like, he defended really well playing 40 minutes a game. Like, could, could you imagine when he doesn't have to, like, ration his energy? What his defense will look like? Like, I could be a just even better defender. But um what I think has us both really excited is is kind of his decision-making, his passing ability. um One of the best passers by assist rate and just, you know, the eye test over the last couple of years. um Really responsible kind of decision-maker. um I'll let you talk about him a little bit more more in a second. And then, um, Oshune is just like, like you said, just kind of a, definitely a traditional center. I really like Neil that you mentioned that you don't think he's super athletic because I know that some people look at six foot 10 guys that block shots and are just like, Oh, he must be a super athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he's an okay athlete, but he's six foot 10 with a reported seven foot eight wingspan. Um, which you got to look at him and it's just like, he just has like a funky looking frame. Like you just see that like his fingertips kind of hang by his knees. Like he is absurdly long. And I think that he's a very smart player and who, and he's very tall and and long. So that really helps with his shot blocking. I don't think he's an insane athlete. Um, And then offensively, I mean, he's a garbage man. He averaged like 11 points per game, but that's also because he played a ton of minutes and it was all like drop-offs, catch lobs, offensive rebound. He was, his post-up numbers are not very good. So I would say pretty pure center. Another guy that like, you know, Florida's pitch is an interesting one to him because it's another one. It's like, it's, there's another kind of true center. He's also just played, like, this would be his fifth year of college basketball. So it'll be his last one with the COVID year. Um, does he want to, you know, come off the bench for Colin Castleton um, for, you know, 12 minutes a game, maybe. Um, so I'm sure they're t- also trying to pitch him on, Playing next to Castleton. And this is a situation like where it's like, okay, with Janai Broom, it's like, okay, this fits tough because they're both post-up guys. Well, now you've got Oshune, who's just not a great post-up player and is largely just like a, a garbage man. So which almost maybe makes it easier because he, he doesn't need to touch the ball on offense. You just put him in the dunker spot and work around there. So maybe that's an easy maybe that's actually an easier fit if you're gonna try to pair together bigs. But um, you know, great defensive player if Florida were to get him. Uh, man it's to think about what the defense could be like knowing that they're go- going to have 40 minutes of elite shot blocking interior defense Um, like that's a really good defensive center rotation between Castleton and Osh- Oshuni but um yeah the, the real gem for this one is for sure Kyle Lofton and I know you love him Neil
0: yeah I mean he's spectacular Um Oshuni is a guy that has been top 25 in the country in block percentage the last three seasons. So he's a really elite shot blocker. And I do not think I agree with you I mean, I, I stand by what I said, I guess, I, I don't think he's, you know, a super NBA level athlete. He's just kind of an instinctive basketball player. Um, there is a Brian Klafsky connection, which I think inert to Florida's benefit anybody that played at a high level in New Jersey basketball is going to have a little bit of one. Um, so you know, I think that's good. Niles Lane is a guy that knows these kids. That's good. The main competition appears to be Arizona and Purdue. Um, so from an optics standpoint would be a really big win. Um, I know Tennessee will probably try to tell them that they have space for both, uh, with Huntley Hatfield leaving. I don't know if they'll be able to get them on campus. Um, Arizona is interesting because both these kids said that they love to play together because they play together forever both these kids say they want to win a game in the NCAA tournament like that's a huge goal for them um most people thought they would beat LSU uh, a year ago they were kind of I think it was one of the rare eight nine games where like 65 percent of the Vegas money was on the Bonnies. of course LSU blew them out um and that was their NCAA tournament experience because the COVID year canceled their what would have been their other trip and they started the year as a top 15 team last year and did not finish in the top 25, went to the NIT. Um, so, you know, would Arizona be intriguing? Uh, probably. I mean, certainly Tommy um, Tommy Lloyd played a bunch of bigs last season, whether it was Tubelis or, or uh, who's the other guy, uh, Coloco. Is that him? Yeah. Um, so Coloco. those two. Yeah. And then Omar Balo was a like a seven-footer that they played. Eight nine minutes, so they had a bunch of bigs. Um, I don't think Acini's going to be somebody that's necessarily bothered by debt, but again, it's you know, are you willing to come in and sit behind Colin Castleton for him? I think he might be just to play with Kyle Lofton. Um, and there's so much to like about Kyle Lofton, uh, but the biggest thing for me is just just an absolute menace. On the defensive end and then just so intelligent with the basketball top 100 in assist rate uh two of his four seasons at saint bonaventure um the bonnie's by far their best perimeter on ball defender uh a very good um free throw shooter over 80 percent and the guy that they always got the ball to do uh, for the last three seasons and still 80 at the line um, not a good perimeter shooter so uh, you know, I saw some tweets, oh man, he has a silky release on that jumper. And I kind of thought, yeah, he might have a silky release, but it doesn't go in very much. Um, he, he shot, uh, 28% last year, uh, he shot 26% the year before that. So not great from beyond the arc, but solid in the mid range and good at attacking the basket and getting to the free throw line. Uh, I just think you're not gonna find a much smarter basketball player. He just makes really good decisions with the basketball does not turn the ball over. I really think he's precisely what, what Kevin Hobday's offense needs uh, in year one.
1: Yeah, it's actually, it is really interesting that he hasn't shot the three at all, or I shouldn't say at all. His numbers aren't like, you know, Casey Hill level, but hasn't shot three. Well, um, through college because yeah he's been a consistently good free throw shooter um which you know i believe there there is some some correlation i know that's another malik grady kind of nba draft conversation that him and me often have but uh and then like you mentioned his mid-range numbers are really good so you can kind of see sometimes when he has these pull-up mid-range shots it's like yeah he's got a silky release but like when it comes to just like pure catch and shoot open threes uh not great so um maybe with uh the really good free throw percentage, the good mid-range stroke. Maybe you think like, Hey, maybe year five's the year. Um, But uh, I I would say maybe if the Gators were to get him, you just don't bank on him being a great three-point shooter. That would be his one kind of limitation. But uh, I think he's definitely a guy that you'd like with the ball in his hands and, and being a decision maker there, Um, you know, good size, like six, three, 190 pounds. Like, so I think, uh, you know, coming off some, some split cuts, finishing at the rim, pretty solid. Uh, But I, I think when you're just, if you're for someone like Todd golden coming to the sec coming to a big time program like Florida to have like a very very steady point guard in his fifth year who passes really well makes really good decisions doesn't turn the ball over has you know fine high major size um that would be a that would, that would be quite a luxury um so I can see why they're they're going after him and uh I, and I know some people are going to say like oh you know like what's the tray bottom of it all I think that my from my understanding um bottom knew that they were going to look for another point guard that was probably going to be older um it was no problem for him and uh so i don't think there's any kind of friction there and i also think that florida is going to have no problem saying um if to a to a loft and um you know you would be our starter so i think that that pitch of like the offense they're gonna run unquestioned kind of starting role um play with colin castleton play with Quasey reeves you know play with a new york guy or new jersey guy sorry in, in niles lane i think the pitch is pretty good. So. I guess we'll see just exactly how much the uh, the package deal is is is, is really a thing, um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, again we're we're very excited by by Lofton the uh, possibility of him and also like man it would be a great luxury to have uh, an elite shot blocking backup big as well. But uh, and see how that one's a little tougher. But uh, pretty exciting to see uh, see the social media, see the Instagram stories from those guys. Kind of surprised us all a little bit to find out they were on campus and. Um, Again, it's just kind of you know new staff. Things are a little bit close to the vest. Everyone's kind of got to build up their connections, so it's a nice little surprise to to see that. And uh, let's see uh, let's see what happens. It's been a little little quiet on the commit watch recently. I know people are getting a little bit antsy, uh, but man, this would be huge, especially kind of this late in the cycle.
0: Yeah, I went on to the On Three forum boards and and said, um, I actually it's the chronology of it is I texted. Eric and said, "I think that Kyle Lofton is on an official visit to Florida, but it's all just St. Bonnie's writers that are telling me this." Um, and so I didn't want to break anything from FBH Twitter because we're really careful about that stuff. Like, um, and I, I include I say we because it's both Eric and I. Like when we'll break something, we kind of will talk about it. Um, <laughs> it's not like me just flying off the handle. So. <laughs> Uh, I did not want to fly off the handle because all I had heard was St. Bonnie's people. So I did go to the on three forums and I actually haven't been back to the forum since I posted this morning, but I kind of was like, Hey, I think that these two guys might be on campus. One of them is really good. Uh, And I don't mean insult the SUNY in any way. Um, It's just that I'm super excited about Kyle Lofton, Um, you know, and, and one more little anecdote on him when I was doing my research is Bob McKillop, who, I think is one of the best coaches in the sport, not just college basketball uh, said that Kyle Lofton is the best point guard um, in the league uh, in the A-10 last year. Uh, that was his, his thought. Um, and that, you know, he said, well, uh, after Davidson had narrowly beat the Bonnies up there, uh, McKillop said, well, they have the best player in our league. Um, and I thought for him to say that was interesting because Um, He is not the best player in the league because that player played for Davidson, but it was still interesting that that was kind of Bob McKillop's takeaway. Um, So he's he's really good. And then the other interesting thing is like they have him on campus and Todd Golden's like own city guard Khalil (laughs) Shabazz was in the portal. So like that kind of indicates like what Florida thinks of like, hey, we should go get Kyle Lofton to me.
1: Yeah, it's I don't like if we even found out if Florida's for sure gone after Shabazz. I don't know. I know a lot of fans, of course, on Twitter all about it. I don't. I, mean, I think people love, just assume it. I don't. I don't think I, they have. Yeah, I, I I think so too. It is the assumption. I don't love Shabazz. I don't love the translation. Um, just again, a lot of the kind of statistical indicators I look at at transfers. Um, he would like again just giving a little little peek towards you know my. Uh, my transfer projections, which will once again be, be very fun going into next season. Um Shabazz would not rank out particularly well for Florida if they were to end up getting him. So um I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see if it ends up maybe if they don't get loft and maybe we start to, you know, hear his name or if he's still around, but it is kind of funny. Just like, like you said, it just kind of like assumed, I'm sure Malik had a special like emoji by his name and his, his Twitter threads to say like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's been a conversation, but how official it is, like, who knows? So, um, yeah, that's interesting, but, uh, it's yeah, pretty clearly, um, uh, he, he would be a lot better than that Shabazz Lofton would be in my opinion. Um if the timeline kind of matched up, Terry Roberts or Lofton would be a pretty interesting conversation. I think Lofton would be the much safer choice out of that. Um, Neil, yeah. I'm guessing you'd, I'm guessing you'd go, you'd go Lofton if, if given the opportunity, I probably would too. Um, I, I used to love a lot about Terry Roberts. So um, that, that would have actually made for a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Terry Roberts is really good. <laughs> um and hey maybe we'll get to see them play against each other in the sec let's let's, let's hope but uh uh yeah lofton uh man uh and and again i'm something we kind of keep circling back to um in our off-season podcast is just that there was not great point guard play last year in college basketball i don't really see that changing a whole lot this upcoming season so if you have the opportunity to get a fifth year very solid um very responsible ball handling, passing point guard. Like, man, you have a competitive advantage over a whole lot of teams in the country. So um, I can definitely see why they're going hard after Lofton.
0: Cues up the first uh, listener question from Justin Fortner, which was um, with the three spots open after missing on broom is focusing on another impact point guard. The most important thing left
1: uh i i think so and i i think like again i I don't know how much of the janai broom thing came down to fit i'd have to say probably a a lot of it i assume so i just think like if you're going to look for an impact player are you going to get another impact center i don't think you're going to get a big time impact center Uh, are you going to get an impact wing there's just not a lot of those guys out there there's not a lot of impact wings and those guys went early to big time programs um so i think what's left is uh an impact point guard. So absolutely. I think when you, and when you kind of look at Florida's, you know, projected starting lineup, um, we can have fun discussions about who starts at power forward, given the current roster makeup. Um, we'll see what happens with any kind of more additions. Um, but I guess you could say maybe if like, if there was a stud power forward, then you could say like, okay, there's a, you know, slide them into start. Sure. Um, but I do think the kind of biggest hole would be starting point guard with all due respect to Trey Bonham. And, uh, yeah, so it just, I would say yes, that's the priority.
0: Bull Gator asks, um, Mike White's been at Georgia for about the same amount of time as Todd Golden. He has landed players from schools, including Oklahoma State and Syracuse. He also landed one of the best point guards in the portal. Why are Gators fans being told to be patient after Mike White left? Well, Georgia fans don't have to be. Uh, good question. Um, and I don't think – that Florida fans are necessarily being told to be patient. I think what we're doing is reacting to news as it comes a little bit. I don't know if he's going to accept this answer at all. And I'll let Eric hop in. He may have a different take than me, but I I, I think we've talked a little bit about how there's definitely some recency bias to it. Like Florida whiffed on, um, you know, if you want, you want to call it a whiff, they whiffed on Johnny Broome. He went to Auburn. Okay. They whiffed on Jalen Reed. He was committed for a long time after the golden hire for a few weeks and then he left um and to me the read thing is really painful whereas the broom thing is more about fit um and again I had questions about how they necessarily coexist just like Eric did to me uh you know Mike White won one battle with Florida for Roberts um Florida has reacted to that and gotten Kyle Lofton on campus um so I don't think anybody's telling Florida to be patient necessarily but you have to remember that that Colin Castleton is still here Wacy Reeves is still here and I know that Mike and and Eric Pastrana kudos to them man they got cardio Akenda to come back um but uh you know I think in the end there's some similar things it's just that like maybe the fact that Will Richard committed so early people kind of forget that Florida already added one of the best pieces in the portal yeah,
1: I mean, if you wanted to really be glass half empty, I like you could say, okay, they got Will Richard to commit on his like, you know, essentially on his visit without taking other visits. Was that because some of these other programs weren't as interested as maybe we think? Um, you could also look at, okay, they get Alex Fudge, someone who went from a tough situation and couldn't really get on the floor for a team that really struggled down the stretch for LSU and then um of course you know a, a a VMI point guard who's undersized. So like if you wanted to be really negative then yeah you could poke holes in 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 what has happened um and say like oh look at George but like again I think if you wanted to go glass half full like you said um or Sorry, I didn't even add it. Like like you said, losing Jalen Reed, losing Blake Renault, that's that's unfortunate. Um, um, if you want to look positive, you say, like, wow, I would have never thought Colin Castleton was coming back. Um, I thought there was, con- like, legitimate concern that Quasey Reeves would not be on the roster this year. Um, we had, I think, some concern that Niles Lane would go elsewhere, given his usage the last couple of years and going into a new situation with a new coach here. And uh, that's one thing. So Florida didn't lose any kind of big impact guys in in the portal. Um, But again, I would just like, I wouldn't want to tie like necessarily the successes that a coach that has, you know, had some pretty good success with transfers in, in Mike White, the overall success, not so much, but he has done well with transfers. He is established and he's got Eric Pastrana. So for to look at what they're like saying, like, or what they're doing. I can, I can understand a little bit. You're like, okay, why is, why is Florida not doing that? But, um, I kind of thought things would go rougher for Florida. And I thought we would be having conversations right now about like, well, we don't think Florida is in position to make the NCAA tournament, but let's see what kind of style of play the Gators have. And like, kind of see what happens. And now we're in a place where I think that, you know, barring what happens with these last scholarships, we're still thinking like, okay, this is an NCAA tournament team. Um, they're going to be able to transition, you know, pretty quick here. We, we think, um, not that we think they're about to, you know, compete for a final four this year, but, um, I I do think just keeping the guys on campus, like Kway series and Niles Lane and and Colin Castleton are kind of the biggest wins. Um, but yeah, I can understand if someone, if someone honestly is just like, yeah, you know what? The transfers are okay. I'm not super excited about the transfers. I can understand that. Um, I can also understand people who are very excited about the transfers. Um, but again, when I just think like when you get Eric Pastrana and, uh, you're in like, again, they're also at Georgia and some of the transfers they brought back were Georgia guys from, from nearby. That's an advantage that any coach that got there would have had. So, um, yeah, I, that's, it's, it's, it's fair to have some kind of criticisms. It's also like, man, I just would love to see the product on the floor first before we, uh, before we get kind of too upset.
0: Yeah, well said, and that does lead uh, well to Zach Ward's question, which was, is there any indication that that Florida will be better than they were next year? Um, Essentially, all they've done is add Alex Fudge, Richard, and a point guard who played in the SOCON for VMI. It doesn't seem to me like there's really much improvement to the basketball team with the departure of Tyree Appleby. Um, yeah, I think some of that is, is fair, but I also think that like it downplays the capabilities that Alex Fudge has. It downplays the improvement we expect to see from Niles Lane and Wasey Reeves. Um, and it downplays the fact that, and I mean, I don't, you know, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to kick dirt on the microwave grave. Okay. Um, But I think that the schematic change at Florida will be refreshing. And I think that the staff will put these guys in a better position um, night to night to win basketball games schematically. I just believe that. Um, And so because of that, you know, I think you, you go from a team that's was right there first four out when they lost to texas a and m on on bracket matrix not Lenardi, i know he had him wherever he had him um and you know okay first four out lose to texas a and m well now you know are you schematically better you're pretty much bringing back the same starting group do they get more out of myron jones because they run better plays probably does twayce reeves make a jump yes does Niles Lane make a jump? Probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, again, I think that they're an NCAA tournament team. Now, does that mean we aren't on the bubble again at Florida? And everybody's like, oh, we fired Mark Wart and Buster on the bubble. Um, <laughs> that could totally be a conversation we have. But I do think Florida got a little better already, and they still have three spots.
1: I, I think even with Niles Lane and Quayce Reeves, it's not even like like even like let's say they don't make any leap. If they play exactly like they did down the stretch, where they actually got minutes and or whole, man, that would be uh, that would be that would make this. If that happened all of last year, that would have been a very different outlook to the year. Um, when you look at Quayce Reeves scoring you know twenty points per game and, and adding shooting and 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 shot creation and Niles Lane providing offense while being one of the better defenders in the league, like even if they like, even if they they don't get any better, we've seen that what the team would kind of look like with them playing better or playing more minutes. Um, And, and then again, like, like you said, I just, I don't think the team got the most out of their talent. Um, Schematically. I think that that'll, that'll change. And again, I'm not saying that Florida now has the greatest coaching staff in the history of basketball and will maximize every little bit of it. But I think that like, again, if you look at last year's team there, they had a lot of talent. And, you know, they had top 25 talent and they were nowhere near the top 25. Is that all coaching? No, it's not. Um, One of the other things is injuries. Let's assume healthy Myron Jones. Um, That should help out. Um, And a player that we all thought was going to be really good and me and Neil both thought would start is CJ Felder. Let's assume healthy CJ Felder. That'll also be, you know, going from really getting nothing from CJ Felder, like essentially nothing the whole the whole season um, to what we think he will bring that is also a huge kind of, you know, internal um getting a lot better. So uh th- th- I could definitely, again, look at like, okay, things, you know, I, being scarred from last year and saying like, this is, this looks too much like last year can totally understand that for sure. That's not a stupid opinion or anything even close to that. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like, for sure, Myron Jones is better, whether it be health or just like, it probably couldn't go as, it, it couldn't go any more wrong um for him last year. I think CJ Felder goes from a player who doesn't contribute anything to someone who will contribute. And then you just think about like, yes, if Florida gets some kind of point guard play that's in the realm of Tyree Appleby could very well be even better depending on who they get. And then, you know, if Will Richard or Alex Fudge pops and if Kwasi Reeves and Niles Lane, just like continue what they're doing, like this will be a better basketball team. So um, yeah, I I'm personally optimistic. Those are the reasons why Can totally understand why someone still has kind of the, 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 ghosts of last season.
0: Katie, the kid asks Eric, are you going to do pieces on each of the players in terms of how their fit might be in the hub day system? I'd be really interested to see how Todd Golden used his shooters. Specifically as to Byron Jones. Um,
1: it is a long off season and I need to spread out that content. So while I would love, I know everyone wants that stuff really quick. Like, man, there's, there's going to be some dog days of summer. Those take Um, time, baby. Well, I mean, it takes time too, but it's also just one of those things. It's like, man, if I just write about fit, write about all these, these guys, it's, and if I do that in, in April and, and, and may, I'm just not going to have anything to write about in like August. And, um, I'll, I'll actually be honest here's a, a very 100% true fact. I I've written for four years, I think maybe five, I, I don't even remember when I started. I have never once looked at page views on anything I've ever written ever. To be honest, I don't even know how I, how I would go about doing that. That's how little I know about. So I'm, I'm, which is <laughs> one thing I will, I will shout out Gator country who um they don't operate on like clicks. They don't, uh, they don't want clickbait. They don't. So that is the culture. And for that's why I get to write really, you know, bizarre analytical pieces. So shout out Gator country. Um, so it's, it's not even like I, so I don't say what I'm about to say and like, Oh, I want to get as many clicks as possible. Cause it doesn't really matter to me. And I don't even know how to look for clicks, but uh, if I write about their kind of fit in like September um, or October, kind of leading to the season um, it actually probably like, you know, I'd rather get people excited for for Florida basketball then, than like get them excited in, in April and May about what they're going to see and then have to like, sit and put it on ice for six months. So, so that kind of stuff, I don't know, there's, there's kind of two options. I haven't decided yet. I'll either write about it like the dog days of summer because everyone's going to be missing Florida basketball. Um, or it'll be like, man, it's time to get really excited about, you know, Florida basketball. I'll write it in the fall. So, um, that's my long answer of saying, yes, I absolutely will write about fit and the players in that in different fits. Um, but I just didn't really want to do it in in April.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Great answer there that you got for Katie, the kid. Um, And we will close with uh, a little back and forth on this issue. So I went to brunch on May the 1st and I tweeted out that um, a friend's significant other asked for pineapple on his flatbread pizza. And it was all I could do not to spit out my um, mimosa. I'm pretty sure that pineapple on a pizza becomes a federal crime. Once you turn 13 to it, Tanner Lefevre and Eric Fawcett took me down, but Tanner with the real takedown. Um, Tanner said, uh, FBH, this is your worst take yet, hands down. <laughs> they literally named a version of this delicacy Hawaiian pizza because it slaps so hard. If we're scolding anyone for audacious food takes, let's all band together against psychos like Andy Staples, who say a hot dog is a sandwich. That's a fight worth fighting. Um, so, Eric. Have your go at pineapple as a topping. I mean, first of all, I, uh, so I'm a fan of
1: pineapple on pizza. I think it works in a lot of pizza settings. I think that when you can kind of play off the, 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 sweetness and a little bit of that sourness off like a black olive and, and especially you get like really salty, like meats, like you get some prosciutto um, you kind of counterbalance that with, with the pineapple. Like it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but I will say, like so the the hawaiian pizza quote-unquote was created in canada that's a canadian thing um i do think it's like probably a little bit offensive that some like canadian (laughs) like the winter was like put some like tanned rings of like artificially dyed yellow pineapple on pizza and it was just like hey this is like hawaii so i was wondering like is like is hawaiian pizza offensive to actual people from hawaii i don't know like but i kind of like even now feel like that's, that's not great. But I I just don't understand this whole concept of like, when you turn 13, (laughs) pineapple becomes unacceptable. Like do do your taste buds become less developed? Like, is it like, do you want less parts of your palate to get stimulated by the flavor of, of, of sweetness and, 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 (laughs) and like, like, I, like as I get older and I appreciate food more, my desire for a little bit of pineapple on pizza becomes greater. So I, that, that, that I would say is the biggest you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's good or, or, or it isn't, I don't, That that's kind of the thing that like aging out of, of something <laughs> that's, that's really tasty. That, that I think was maybe the most surprising thing to me about your take.
0: Okay. I mean, I just feel like, and maybe it's just like, I just watched too many Ninja Turtles cartoons where like one of them wanted like pineapple and one wanted anchovies and like, they just got made fun of for that. And so I kind of just associated pineapple on pizza with adolescence, um, you know, I totally, you know, I hadn't really ever thought about its effect on the palate because like I would run for the hills if I saw pizza with pineapple on it now. It's like a, a pre-programmed uh galaxy brain thing. Um, so you know, hey, I mean, I, I am I am more than willing to take and even discuss on air the ways I may be wrong about pineapple on pizza. And so I, I will shout out Tanner for that. I thought it was an excellent retort. And I, and I agree that. I, he actually didn't include Andy Staples in his tweet, but I mentioned Andy because uh, Andy is one of the hot dog it's a sandwich people. And um, to be fair to Andy, he also says that a hot dog is whatever you want it to be, um, <laughs> which I guess is true. Like if we really want to get philosophical about the hot dog and I know Americans like that sort of thing. Um, but, but that was kind of a good way to close um, what ended up being an epic, like three show listener question segment?
1: I, I hope that the listener questions continue. And if it turns into food takes like, man, it's going to be a long off season. I mean, we can get into that, but, 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 you know, in all seriousness, we just love listener questions so much. Cause it just like reminds us that there are people that are, that are listening and engaged and like, I, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but cause I, you know, maybe I'm too close to the situation that I, I can't actually see it. But I, I think some of our best shows or some of our best conversation come from listener questions. So. um if you have it, you know, keep piling on. I, I, I know it was a little bit overwhelming there to have three shows worth of, of listener questions, Neil, I'm sure in your mentions, but uh, I would love for that to happen again. So thank you everyone for, for submitting.
0: Yeah, those were fantastic. I do want to say um, shout out to Emery Jones um, for committing to Arizona state today. Uh, we record on Thursday night and reannounced his commitment to Arizona state for uh, a couple hours ago on his Instagram um, and I don't typically do this and I, I don't think, Oh, and well, actually I do have to do, I'm going to let Eric do Tyree Appleby when he signs us off uh, so that we get them both out. But I was thinking of Embry and Tyree as they committed the last couple of days, because I felt like these are two young men who represented the university of Florida in the most incredible first-class manner. Um, despite quite a bit of fan vitriol and hot takes uh, and, I just have a lot of respect for, for Emory and hope he does really well at Arizona state. And I'll let Eric talk about Tyree and sign us off.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the end of my era as the resident Tyree Appleby Stan, who watched every minute he played from Cleveland state onto Florida. Will it continue with his recent commitment to wake forest? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I I think Forbes is, is a really good coach there. And, and I think they runs really good offense. And I think that he's going to be utilized uh, a lot better there than he was at Florida, where I just never feel like his skill set was was super well utilized and it led to him turning the ball over a little bit too much for for certain people and a couple loud turnovers let's let's be honest. but um yeah, I think basketball wise what I'll remember from from applebee is someone who played his with the exception of um an unfortunate kind of last game at, at Florida where they they kind of needed him against Texas A and m he always seemed to play his best basketball in in Florida's biggest games. Um, and I think that that just comes from a guy who's always been undersized, was under recruited out of high school, um, was told that he was kind of for certainly, a a juco player, um, that would, you know, never be able to play division one. I think he has a little bit of that, that kind of dog in him as an undersized guard. So I'll always remember him, um, on the court as someone who, um, played his best basketball in, uh, the biggest games. And like, man, that is a, that is an attribute that I think is like not many players have. And I think it is very admirable. So, um, that's something i always remember him. And then, like you said, um, always represented, uh, represented the university really well off the court as well. So um, I think uh good fit with, with Forbes, um, who's an excellent basketball coach, um, really good offensive mind, the talent around there, not, not great at, at Wake Forest yet. Um, but, and uh, Hey, pretty, uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, who knows what his kind of professional basketball career will look like, but um, graduate from Florida, go to Wake Forest for a year. I'm sure that looks pretty good on, on a resume. So, it's my Tyree Appleby take, uh, Neil,
0: if you want to say anything, and then uh, then close us out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's
0: it. I, I just definitely wish him luck. I thought he got kind of a bad beat uh, from some of Gator Nation. It was put in a tough spot by the staff uh, in the way that the roster was constructed and still managed to play his best basketball at the biggest times for the most part, with obviously the exception of his final game uh, or, well, one of his last games at Florida. Um, so... Um, Go Gators. Keep attacking, close out.